You know, I've heard that the more time you spend in a certain place, you start to uh, reflect the people that you do life with and hang out with. And it's usually from the top down. So good morning, all you good looking people. <laughs> anyway, um, we're in a series, Teach Us to Pray, and you can get your worship guide out, and you can follow along on version as well. Uh, just put in our zip code or um, our church name, and everything's in there for you to kind of take notes. I really encourage that just because there's some uh, excellent um, content I think will help you out today in your relationship with God. Amen. I want to go back uh, a little bit to, uh, first of all, those announcements were great, weren't they? Man, that woman at the end is good looking. Dang. I don't know who that lucky guy is. Um, but uh, I just want to mention a lot of exciting things happening this fall at Connect. And, uh, I mean, we, 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 spent, we, we spent a little bit of time slowing it down. <laughs> My staff would say, yeah, right. But we slow it down a little bit in the summer but to be able to ramp up in the fall. So just, you know, I really want to encourage you to, to get plugged in and get connected and get involved. There's just some tremendous stuff that will help uh, you as uh, an individual will help you in your if you're a young adult help you if you're married young married family whatever's going on there's just there's something for you um, going on this fall uh, sisterhood we've got small groups launching uh, today well they don't launch but their sign up start today um, next week we launch small groups they're going to be a great semester ahead of us and and just some awesome stuff so um, I'm so excited about this fall I can't even tell I'm pretty amped up about it but as we get ready to go into the fall one of the things we try to do that precedes that is kind of a season of preparation so we kind to see the fall is, um, if you had to, you know, kind of put a, a title this season, it's kind of a harvest time. It's a time, you know, we have harvest festivals and we have all those kind of things happen in the fall, but there's a spiritual harvest time too because people are, are searching and seeking and people tend to kind of come back into the routines of life and structures of life and kind of reorganize their life a little bit. So you're going to see things kind of swell up a little bit at Connect's going to it's going to get people going to come back to church in the next few weeks and that have been away and people that have been kind of on vacation physically and also spiritually are going to come back to, uh, to that kind of hunger phase. And so we like to prepare for that. And one of the ways we prepare for that is to, um, is to sow spiritually. And we do that through prayer. So we're in a season of prayer right now, uh, 21 days of prayer, offering our first 15 every single day. How many have, are participating in our 21 days of prayer? Raise your hand. Good and high if you are. Good. So a lot of you. So I want to encourage you um, to, to join us. Uh, you can start now and say, well, I can't do 21 days. Well, you could. You could keep going longer, or you could just jump in. And we're in our second week starting tomorrow. And uh, we have, last week, I kind of taught you how to um, really give God the, the first 15 minutes of your day. How many, after last week's message, realized 15 minutes is doable? Right? I mean, it's actually very doable. Um, and uh, we talked about the Lord's Prayer last week. And if you did not get or were not here last week for that message, I just strongly encourage you if you want something that is practical, but also will, will motivate you in your prayer life. Get the CD today uh, downstairs. We give those away, you know, or go online at weconnect.cc and, and listen to that message so you can get that. Because basically, Jesus taught us how to pray. Luke 11, 1, the disciples saw something different in Jesus, and they said, we want that. What, whatever you were just doing, we, we don't know about that. We've been raised in church. We, we know certain prayers. We've heard certain things. But whatever you are saying, doing, talking to, experiencing, I want some of that. And so he said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And then he unpacked the Lord's Prayer. And we realized that it wasn't a recitation. It was a roadmap. It was, it was, a, it was a, a guide for us in our approach to God. And I, I, there's two things that affect our prayer life with God, our, our view of him and our approach to him. So our, our view of God will determine our relationship with him, but our approach will determine our encounter with him. Does that make sense? That was good. I don't know what you, that'll help somebody right there. It's coming out of my mouth and I was like, that was good. I didn't know I was going to say that. But, but that approach sometimes is what gets us all messed up because um, a lot of times we're, we're approaching God with a dump truck and we, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm getting ready to pray, like I have to resist the temptation to bring all my needs up. I'm like, they're screaming. I, I just have to turn away from that and and crank the volume down on that and realize, you know what? Who wants to hear that first in any relationship? So I need to, in, in essence, the first part of the Lord's Prayer in the first couple, three steps is, if, if you put it all together, it's just like acknowledging him for who he is. It's, it's declaring his greatness. It's, 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 it's it, saying how awesome he is. It's, it's realizing his name's above whatever circumstance, problem, situation. How many know there's still power in the name of Jesus? 
right? And we, so we talked a lot about the name of Jesus and, and the names of God and, and how to introduce those into our prayer life. And then we talked about really making his agenda our agenda so that ultimately our agenda will become his agenda. But we have to see that his agenda in one word is others, it's people. And so instead of praying for me, myself, and I, I need to be thinking about others and putting others first. And we spent a lot of time talking about And then we went from that to, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespassed against us and realize that there's two people, there's two things we need to get right with. We need to get right with God and we need to get right with other people. And I just want to put a little uh, pause on the tape deck on this one and just help you see that this doesn't mean we just pray it and say it, but we also do something about it. So when we're in that time of prayer, in our Lord's Prayer in the morning, and we say to God, um, God, if there's anything in me that offends you, bring that to remembrance. Remember I said there's a difference between, you know, the Holy Spirit and the Pillsbury Doughboy? You remember that parallel? No? Pillsbury Doughboy. And we go, oh, that's tickles. When God does it, it hurts sometimes a little bit. And so what will make the hurt go away is to do something about it. So if he says, well, yeah, when, you know, this is something I want you to deal with. Maybe it's neglect. Maybe it's a blatant sin. Maybe it's, you know, sins of omission or commission. Maybe it's, maybe, and, I, and he'll, if you say to him, search me and show me, he will. But then we have to confess that and do something about that. If he says in the next step where it says forgive others, or maybe we need to get right with other people, then sometimes he'll bring people to your remembrance. And I've been, and this is what he was challenging me with this week. His son, you're really good at confessing to me, but you're not really good at confessing to others. You're not really good at getting right with others. So, so I started writing down on a piece of paper some people that maybe I need to apologize to or clarify something with or, or take ownership for something and say I'm sorry. That may come up in your prayer life. And keeping, when you're doing that, you're following through on what he says, it's going to encourage your relationship with him because he's realizing that this is a real relationship. It's not just a religious relationship where you're just going through motions. Does that make sense what I'm saying to somebody out there? So I'm just giving you different aspects of the Lord's Prayer, and sometimes you're going to camp on one and realize, okay, we need to go to work right here, you know? And so far, you know, we haven't got to my needs yet. This is all, this is all first half, but the second half will be great if we make the first half a priority. Does that make sense? So I'm just, for those of you who weren't here last week, this is just some of the stuff we were talking about, and then we're just fleshing out a little bit more as we go forward. I want to encourage you to join us the remaining, uh, the remaining part of our, our prayer vigil. It's really not a fast. Um, fasting and prayer are good uh, uh, co cooperative connections. Sometimes we have to malnourish our body and overnourish our spirit. But we're just praying. It's 21 days of prayer. 21 days of prayer and feasting. Can I have an amen out there? If you want to fast, knock yourself out. I'm going to eat. Uh, it's football at 1 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? And I got to put those two things together. But in the new year, we do prayer and fasting, you know? But there's something about when people pray, and sometimes when people pray and fast. One time, we were in a season of prayer and fasting, and we do it in the first of the year. And I remember coming in, because at the end of that season, we had a worship night. We brought everybody together. And I was sitting sort of towards the back, and I was, I was looking around. I was sitting next to a leader, and I said, look at this. Can you look at, look at these people are so, I mean, hungry for God. And my leader took to me and said, no, Pastor, they're just hungry. It's <laughs> just exciting because they're going to get to eat later. You know, it was just funny. That's funny. I don't care what you say. I thought that was funny. But this is a time of prayer, you know, with, with, when you can feast if you want. But I want to encourage you to pray. And get one of, your prayer, one of these prayer first bracelets. Um, I have to say there, none, there are none available today because you took them all. They're all gone. So 600 of these went out in two weeks. Uh, so we'll have another couple hundred next week at church. So if you didn't get one of these, just they'll be here next week. And, and I want to say, you know, kudos to all you guys and props to all y'all for taking them all. Can you tell I got some Southern influence? I just said all y'all like three times in one sentence. Uh, amen. Look at this. Um, but uh, I want to encourage you, to, you know, that you guys took those and you're giving away. It's a great testimony, right? And plus, has this reminded anybody that maybe I need to pray first? It has me. I was going into a meeting just the other day with Pastor Charlie, my dad, and I just, before I was going in, I just, my brain starts going, you know, if he says this, I'll say this, and then I'll do that, you know, and just preparing for all these variables, and I just said, you know, I'm going to pray about this, and my, my dad's here to testify. I actually went better than I ever thought it was going to go, you know, and uh, because we prayed first, and I want to encourage you, whatever's going on in your life, you might need to remind yourself to create a new default and a new habit that before you go to, you know, my father used to say this, before you go to the phone, go to the throne. Before you go to the ibuprofen, go to the great physician. Come on. Before the kids go out the door, stop and just lay hands on them and bless them and pray protection over them. They make good decisions and wise choices. You guys get what I'm saying. we got to pray first. Everybody say pray first. There was an atheist. I've told this story before one time, and he was out in the wilderness, and 
and he was a proclaimed atheist, and he was admiring all the, 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 the trees and the waterfalls and the rivers and the mountains. And he says, oh, how beautiful are all the, all the things that have evolved, all the things as a result of evolution. He's kind of declaring his beliefs before everybody about evolution. And then all of a sudden, from behind the bushes and these trees that he was just admiring, a 13-foot Kodiak bear comes jumping out. And, of course, this atheist begins to run. Contrary to what all the YouTube videos tell us to do, lie down and all play dead and all that, he starts running, and this Kodiak's just chasing him and running after him, and, and um, sure enough, the atheist trips and falls, he's lying on his back, and the, the paws of this large bear are just getting ready to strike him and kill him, and he cries out, and he says, oh God, save me, the atheist, everybody tracking so far? With that, God calls back out to him. And when God calls back out to him, everything goes still. The rivers stop as if, as, 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 as if the sun stood still. The trees are not moving. The air is very still. The bear is frozen in time. And God speaks and says, oh, now you're going to call out to me. Oh, now you're going to say and you're going to pray to me. You're going to reach out to me. Now you call on me and... All the time you've been rejecting me and, and never calling on me, you're going to call on me now. And so the atheist says, you know, God, you're right, you're right. It's just, uh, it's ridiculous. I, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite to even ask you to respond to me. You know, I, I'm a hypocrite to now suddenly become a Christian. But one small request. If you could maybe, I know, I know I'm a hypocrite, but maybe you could make the bear a Christian. <laughs> For that, I would be greatly appreciative. God says, okay. As soon as he says, okay, time from stop moves to fast forward, real time, trees are moving, rivers are moving, you know, uh, uh, the wind is blowing, and the bear stops, drops on his knees, folds his hands, and begins to pray. He says, oh, Lord, thank you for the food I'm about to eat. <laughs> How many know that we need prayers that work, right? We need prayers that work. Like when we pray, we want to know our prayers get answered, don't we? That's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk to you about how to have powerful prayers, prayers that get results, prayers that when we call out to God, uh, not just the rescue prayers, I'm talking about the miraculous intervention of God in our everyday life. We all have certain things that we're believing for, all have certain things that maybe we've quit believing for because of this problem. The subject of prayer has frustrated people for centuries. And I think prayer for many seems like, like an exercise, like uh, my dad would say, in futility. In, in other words, People think, why even do it? Because when I pray, nothing seems to happen. Nothing seems to change. And, and, and I think so some people get frustrated because their prayers are not being answered. Some people continue to pray, even though their prayers are not being answered, in religious liturgical obligation. It's just, and that's what you see. You see just people just doing it because they think by doing it, there's some credit or some, you know, uh, uh, credit system or scorecard or something like that that's taking place. And then there's some that pray, and they pray with the wrong motives. See, I think God wants to give us a motivation for praying, for praying uh, but in the process, people sometimes know that, manipulate that, and then pray with wrong motives. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? And so some people pray with the wrong motives and abuse this privilege. And, and honestly, I don't want to get into this, but sometimes that side of it is where people get weird. I call them spooky spirituals. You know what I mean? They just blow up and don't grow up. And it's just like, they're just like a balloon. You know, they just, you know, you know, they just, you know those Christians? You could be sitting next to one of those Christians, so I'm going to be careful about that. But an example, not an, maybe not an example, but a setup for an example is that sometimes we pray with wrong motives. Like we want God to make our wrong decisions look right. So, so we pray about things, and, and, and we're trying to manipulate God to make... Now, this is an extreme example I'm going to give you on a video in just a second. But we, we, we want some of the things that we're doing wrong... To, to, for God to look at them and say, that's okay, and, and say yes to you. He's a good parent. He's not going to answer certain prayers like that. And here's an extreme example of what we do when we pray over our food. And I'm determined to get you addicted to this guy because it will change your life, Tim Hawkins. But I want you to see one guy talking about praying over our food and how we sometimes pray with wrong motives. Check this out. I 
love this one over food. Sometimes we pray over food and ask God to make up for our bad choices when we eat. That's funny. <laughs> what is, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Lord, bless this bag of Cheetos. And this jumbo Dr. Pepper, Lord. Somehow make this nourish us in some way. I don't know how you're going to do it, Father, but we just trust in you now. Father, change the molecular structure of this food. This complete trash we're about to shove in our gullet. Change the Cheeto into a carrot stick on the way down. Spirit of low carb, rain down on me now! I pray a hedge of protection around my pancreas, Lord. Right now. Intervene. Hey, that is funny stuff. Oh, that guy makes me cry. But, but that's sometimes what happens is we're, we're trying to get God to do things, but it's not in accordance with his will. So a lot of the times we don't, this is just, you know, not where we're going to camp today, but a lot of times our prayers don't get answered because they're not in accordance with his will. Does that make sense? And so, uh, you know, we get frustrated because our prayers aren't being answered, but sometimes we're asking with the wrong motives. I remember watching the movie Bruce Almighty. How many ever watched the movie? I'm not endorsing, I'm just saying to be watching it, you know? And he's, he's manipulating his power. See, God's a good God, so he knows if he, if, he would, if he would just bestow his power on you, let you do whatever you want with it, you could get in trouble, you know? Smite the almighty smiter. He was mad at God because he wasn't answering his prayers initially, but then when God put his power on him, he said, you want, you want that full responsibility? You want that, full, you, you want that authority? You can have responsibility with that. So how did Bruce, he started saying yes to every prayer request that came in, yes, 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 created chaos on the earth. You know, oh, Juan Valdez, some coffee, thank you. You know, he manipulated it for his personal needs, you know. Got a car, hi-ho, silver away, and cleared the highway, you know, made everybody do what he wanted. Look what happened, chaos as a result. So God knows that. That's why he says it has to be in accordance with his will, because his will is good for everybody. Amen? I mean, if you could see the future, you'd realize that it was exactly what you wanted. But in order to see the future, you have to be in relationship with God. And follow him in the process. This is not in your notes, but 1 John 5, 14. And I put in verse 15 because I sometimes forget this particular verse. It's a great bonus text for you Bible thumpers. It says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. I love that word, confidence. You can have confidence in approaching God. A lot of us don't have confidence in approaching God, sometimes because our heart condemns us, and sometimes because we just have bad view of God, and sometimes we don't have a good approach towards God. But we can have confidence as we approach God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So what I want you to know on the front end of this message is that when you pray in accordance with his will, he hears your prayer. I'm going to show you that biblically. Your prayer is answered in heaven. So our objective as people who of prayer who want the miraculous intervention of God in our life is we have to bring what has already been answered in heaven and bring it down to earth. You getting what I'm saying? At least, and then it goes on to say, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Well, some of us don't see that. Some of us are not experiencing that, and and so let, let me open with a question, and you can answer this or out loud. How much power does God have? He has all power. That's right. It's important for you to not just know it intellectually, but to know it experientially. You have to know that, you know, in your knower. Not your just knower, but in your knower. God has all power. The Bible says all things are possible with God. He created the heavens and the earth. The, it, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I mean, he has all of dominion and authority is, is in Jesus' name. He has all power. So don't answer this particular series of questions. Just think about them as I say them. Because they connect and, and it all kind of unravel. Are we trying to get God to move when we pray? Does God finally move if we bother him enough? Do we earn answers to earn answers to our prayers through hard work, diligence, and persistence? And the reason I want you to think about some of those questions is because some of those questions can lead us to a potentially detrimental deduction. Although we may not phrase it that way, probably many of us believe these ideas. I have believed those ideas. We probably believe that if we pray enough, he might do something. He might 
do something. If you think that way, and then your prayer does not get answered, then here's my concern, I believe it's his as well, is that you'll get mad at God. It'll create a separation or a divide between you and your relationship with God. If we think some of those things, we do some of those things as a result of what we think, because that's really the cycle, thinking, doing, you know, that's, that's kind of what, what happens, thought, word, deed. And those things don't happen, then we can get mad at God. And the devil knows that. And the enemy would like nothing more. His primary objective is to create separation between you and God eternally if he can. And so he wants you to get you mad at God. Now, why would we get mad at God? Because God didn't do it. What's it? Whatever I was praying for. God didn't do it. He didn't answer my prayer. Now, I know people in my life, literally as I stand here today, personally, who if some of you, if I mention a name, you might know it. Some of you wouldn't, but I'm not going to do names. But I know one particular girl who lost one of her children. That's, don't wish that upon anybody. I can't think of a harder thing. Loss of a child. Outliving your child is horrible, right? And I can remember going to the hospital and praying. This, the, the girl wasn't gone, but she was, she was in a coma. I can remember praying for her to come back. And, and I remember them, their look at, like, it was kind of like, and this is, gonna, this is unqualified, it was kind of like, if he can't get through to her, it's over. Because I know I can't. I've tried. And then, and then she didn't come back. She, went, she, she, she left this world. And I can remember, you know, the, the, just something happening that day, you know, in the mom. Now, you know, uh, time speeds by, and she is currently, because she didn't, I believe, because she didn't get her prayer answered the way she wanted to, she's now seeking power through another source. So she's into the occult, and she's talking to the dead, and she's necromancy, and she's... Um, drinking and alcohol and, and drugs all mixed in with those experiences, all trying to get a prayer answered that was an answer. Are you guys attaching to what I'm saying? Get what I'm saying? This is what the enemy would like to do. This is an extreme case I'm trying to give you, but sometimes they're maybe not quite as extreme as that. Somebody, you know, can be mad at God because he didn't answer a fleeting prayer to fix a problem or fix a situation or, or um, you know, fix a marital problem, fix a job situation. We all have temptations to fall into that same sinkhole. Uh, another person I know, one of my a close friends for many, many years, I can remember him in one uh, uh, moment of desperation, just cursing God right in front of me and just saying, I prayed and I prayed that you would take this addiction away. Why won't you? And he's never been the same. He's, he's distant from God today and abandoned his calling. I believe this message is going to help a lot of people because the truth you know, in here are so relevant to us in our spiritual life. You may not be on that extreme, but you may be on a continuum pointed at that extreme if we don't get things fixed and wired right, if that makes sense. God wants to answer your prayers. He actually does answer your prayers. He wants to see your prayers, the manifestation of your answered prayer in your everyday life, and that's what we're going to kind of unpack. So here's, to have powerful prayers, number one, write this down. Prayers, in other words, that get answered. Prayers, like the Bible says in James, that avail much, okay? Number one, realize God has deposited his power in us. Realize that God has deposited his power in us. To have powerful prayers, you have to realize there's already power in you. Those of you who called upon the name of the Lord are saved. You've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's like, it's not a perfect analogy, and I was just asking God desperately yesterday to, to help me with a kind of a tough theological message that can help a lot of people unpack it. So I'm praying the Holy Spirit can transfer information, transformational material to you because I don't know how to do it better than what I'm doing right now. But it, it, I, my, I had this little scooter. It's... It, on the front, it looks like a motorcycle, but when you look on the side of it, it's like a scooter because I'm scared to ride a motorcycle. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, I'm working my way up. Don't tell my wife. Um, but I, this scooter is an electric start thing, so it's, it's, it's really dependent upon the battery. And when you put, I put the scooter away in the winter, and then I pull it out, you know, in, in, in the summer, and when I pull it out, it, it, it always has to get a jump. It always needs a jump start. There's still, and I don't know all the science of this, so this is an imperfect analogy, I apologize, but there's still power in the battery in the cells of those batteries. Does that make sense? But there's been a disconnect between the, the, an ultimate, more powerful source and the actual battery. Until that connection's made to kind of reignite that battery, the power inside that battery cannot be released. Does that make sense? In a way, that's what prayer's like. That's what prayer's like. There's power in you. 
as a Christ follower. But sometimes there's a disconnect, and sometimes we've been kind of sat on the sidelines so long that we need a jump start. And if, as we continue to operate and use the power that's within us, then it stays strong and begins to flow and work in our life, and we see more of its operation, and we don't need a jump start anymore. Does that make sense? So there's power in you. Luke 24, 49, just some biblical examples. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, tarry in the city in Jerusalem until you are uh, endued, infused, empowered with power from on high. That actually means in the Greek it's clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, 8 says, but you, everybody say you is me. You is me. You shall receive power when uh, the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me. So you shall be witnesses for or to, the, a more perfect translation wouldn't be to, but me, for, for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the power that, that he's put in us makes us witness to the world around us. Romans 8, 11, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. How many of that's pretty powerful? If, if the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us, that's a lot of power. So God has deposited his power in us. We all have, that's the point, we have power in us. Uh, before we read this next test, if, if, text, Ephesians 3.20. Look at me, don't look at your notes, don't cheat, don't cheat, don't cheat. How many of you ever heard that, that, or, or, or think you could, I'm not going to call you out, so don't get scared. How many think you could probably paraphrase or quote Ephesians 3.20? Raise your hand. Wow. Not that many. Okay. All right. So that's okay. So Ephesians 3.20, <laughs> this is a preacher paradigm. We just think everybody knows the same verse as I know. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 is a pretty potent text. It basically says, let me see when I started if you start to recall, and then you can raise your hand. If, oh, that one. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine. Does that ring a bell now? Okay, now a bunch of hands start going up. Okay. Now most people only know the first half of that, wor- first half of that verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. We love that, and, and we know that. Like, we're comfortable with that. God can do anything. God can do more than you can even imagine. God's incredible. God says, but what we don't sometimes make the connection is the second part of the verse and the conditions and the, and the relationship between the second part of the verse. So let me read the whole verse to you. Now to him was able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according, everybody say according, to the power that works in us. So I want you to think about that, you know, uh, God is your source. You're like the little scooter with the battery that needs a jump start. There's, there's a power inside of you that must cooperate with the power of God. Is God able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all you could ask or you think? Is God able? Answer yes or no. Yes, he is. But it's according to the power that works within us. So let me try to make this make sense. First of all, the Greek word for according is unique. It means to the measure of. This is an awesome, when I started to unpack this a little bit more and look at that particular verse, I always get something new when you look at the original language. So the original language for this is Greek. And Greek sometimes, English is sometimes insufficient in being able to uh, describe and to define certain words that we're reading when you're reading in English. So sometimes you have to go back and you see different nuances, different uh, twists and turns on a particular word. So this particular word, according, means to the measure of. So what, how would that play out? In other words, he can do everything to the measure we release his power. Another rendering of this word is distribution. He can, he can do anything to the measure we distribute it. We release it. How much of God's exceedingly abundant beyond, above and beyond power are you distributing through your prayers, in other words? One time I was praying, I heard God say this to me. We were, we were actually up in um, New Hampshire two or three years ago. And I was working on a series on the attributes of God. And I was on the beach, had a little steno pad and a uh, little um, Bible, and I'm, and I'm reading. And while I'm, while I'm studying, and you can think this is weird, but this, is, this is, doesn't happen all the time, but I hear God say to me, Derek, I need you. I need you right now. I need you. And when he said that, this, this, this will give you insight into my personality, which uh, is ridiculous, but when he said that, I, I said to him, hey, God, if that's you, that is that is theologically incorrect. <laughs> that can't be you because that's theologically incorrect. To which he said, Derek, I need you. And I said, wait a second, God. I'm studying this right now because uh, if, there's no way that can be you because you're, you're self-sustaining. You're self-existent. 
You're self-sufficient. I was studying these different attributes about God. So you don't need anybody. Derek, I kept hearing it, I need you. I need you. And, and, and I want to try to unpack this for you because it's, it's, it's relevant to our prayer life in so many ways. He explained this. He basically said, and this is, it took a little while for me to get it. He says, I don't need anything from you. I decided to need you. Yeah, all that's true, in other words, doofus, with your little theological <laughs> rhetoric, retorts, you know. I don't need anything from you. I decided to need you. Listen, think about it this way. Did Jesus die for all people in the world in their sins? Absolutely he did. Did, Does he need to die again? No, of course not. Then why, don't answer this out loud, but why aren't some people connected to him personally? Because they have to choose him. They have to accept him. They have to decide to follow him. See, he, he doesn't need anything from us. He decided to need us. We must decide of our own free will to accept him, his grace only made available by faith if we receive it. Are you getting me on this? God decided to cooperate with us here on the earth. God needs us for his purposes. He decided to to do it that way. Just like the salvation message, it's also true of the miraculous intervention of God in our life. Some of us, we need. Sometimes, you've heard, maybe you haven't heard this phrase, but sometimes only a miracle will do. I have been in that situation more times than maybe I want to count. But there's just some times where doctors don't have answers, financial advisors don't have answers, marital counselors don't have answers, man doesn't have an answer, only God has an answer, and only a miracle will do. Can I have an amen out there? And so what do we do in those situations? It's in that situation that you and I need to know that God decided to cooperate with us, and he needs us in those situations. What was his body battered, broken, and bruised? Uh, some of our bodies, so some of our bodies could be made whole? Yes. Yes. He got up on that cross and suffered and died. You know, he got, he got up there in Calvary. And it, yet our people, even though he did all that so people could be healed, are people still sick? The answer is yes. Because we, uh, people still suffering? Yes. Because God doesn't need to do anything else. It's really what we need to do. In accordance to the power that's in work within us, his power will be made available in cooperation with us through, listen, our prayers. Look in your notes, Jeremiah 27.5. With my great power and outstretched arm, that's a lot of power, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are on it, and he could go on and on if he wanted to, and I give it to anyone I please. I've given it to whom, in other words, it seems proper for me to give it to. In the beginning, God gave all his power, his authority, his dominion to Adam, and Adam he, he lost it. Jesus then again regains it. And so as Christ followers, we can have the same dominion that Jesus regained for us here on the earth. But we have to know how to exercise our faith to have dominion over our circumstances and over the earth in which we live. Because it's cursed. It's messed up. It's fallen. It's broken. Ultimately, Jesus is going to restore that one day. But between now and then, we have to exercise our faith and do that through prayer to maintain dominion over our circumstances. This is better preaching than maybe some of you guys realize, but God has deposited the Holy Spirit in us to help us do that. And how much comes out of us depends on us and our prayer life. Here's a bold statement. Write this down. God's unlimited power, God's unlimited power is limited by our prayers. There is a power source in that wall that is limited by by my inability to connect to that power source. Prayer gives me the ability to bring the power from that wall to me, to you. And the same thing happens when we pray. There is power in heaven that when I pray to God, it brings that same power that's there to me, to you. And and, and you can do the same. Does that make sense? Number two, we must release the power through prayer. Number two, we release the power of God through prayer. This is a tough text, and I really need you to kind of ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Let me, because they didn't get it, and sometimes I think we don't get it, even though we have the explanation. John 7, 37 and 38 says, on the last day, this is of the Feast of Tabernacles, and this was the eighth day. And the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart 
Streams of living water will flow from within him. God wants us to have a relationship with him that is inside to outside, not outside to inside. It's something that is literally revelational, relational. I could go on and with a lot of alliteration, but it still be true. Generational. God wants something to come from the inside of us that literally changes the outside in which we live. We already read in Acts how it says power would come. Uh, and it did come. And now this text, he says, power is going to come out of you like rivers of living water. Out of you, in other words, the Holy Spirit's going to flow out of you. And this is what happened in this particular text at this time. For seven days, the, 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 the Jews were praying. And they were praying religiously for living water to come out. Seven days, every year at this time they pray. Living water come out of the rock. Living water come out of the rock. Living water come out of the rock. And basically, every day they'd go to the rock and they'd they'd throw natural water on it. On the eighth day, they would abandon praying for living water and they'd quit and just pray for natural water, rain, to come. Everybody Everybody with me so far? Okay, so this is kind of a... This is kind of a, it's connected to the story where Moses touched the rock so that water would come out. Does anyone remember that? In Exodus chapter 17, you know, and so and it wasn't all done right by Moses, and there's a whole other side of that. But, but that living water, that, that, that living water that Jesus is speaking of, listen, this is, this is what happens. On the eighth day, they prayed for natural water. This was actually bad, believe it or not. Because, it was bad because they made what was supposed to be revelational religious. They really didn't believe as they were praying that God was going to bring living water. So if you don't believe that God's going to do something, is God going to do something? He's not going to do something. No, he's not. They didn't really believe for living water. It was nothing more than a ritual. In essence, what they were saying was, since we can't have living water, could you at least give us natural water? And it was really a tremendous statement of unbelief. And here's what happens in the middle of all that. They they didn't really believe. They just didn't believe. And the Bible's telling us, for you to see certain things happen in the natural, then you have to trust in the supernatural God in which you serve. The Bible says this, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So you have to believe that God is and that he is all-powerful. So that's a, that's a precursor to the miraculous in your life. But they didn't believe that. And so for just before the eighth day when they were going to pray for rain, as usual, in this particular occasion in John chapter 7, Jesus stood up in the middle of that and said, Hey, everybody, I'm the living water right here, right now, in the middle of that. You don't even... I, don't, I didn't even realize what an incredible statement that was. He's like, remember the rock where the water came out for Moses? Well, that's, that's me, and I'm here right now. I'm the rock. I'm the water that if anyone thirsts and comes after me, they'll, they'll, they'll be satisfied. The same, the same water that he spoke of in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. Does anybody remember that? He goes, that's that same water? That's me. He's talking about a relationship that, he was, that, that comes through a person, and they didn't get it. They were looking for something else. They were focused on the natural, and they missed the supernatural. But once you come to me, when you do, I'm going to deposit something in you that's going to turn around and come out of you like living water. This is amazing. And Jesus was the fulfillment of an Old Testament tradition, and they missed it. And I submit to you that a lot of times we miss something because we're focused on the natural, and we're not focused on the supernatural. We're focused on the outcome, and we're not focused on the source. Ah, man, help me, Jesus. So how much living water are we really releasing? Is it a drip? Is it a drop? Is it a trickle? You know, or is it a river, which is what God wants? And this is is what this is all about. Is it possible that prayer is not trying to get God to move? Rather, it's releasing enough power in the spirit actually to get the job done in the first place. And if we understood this, then we wouldn't ever get mad at God in the process. And so Jesus would tell his disciples, pray, you know, um, pray that... How do you say? He said, pray heaven come to earth. As it is in heaven, so it shall be on earth. As it is, that means it already is in heaven. Pray that it is the same way here on earth. So what I want to kind of unpack for you is that when you pray, it already, it, if it's in accordance with his will, it is in heaven. Your prayer is answered. But to release what is answered in prayer and get it to come to earth is the process in which we need to talk about. In fact, look at this. In uh, Ephesians 1, look in your notes. It says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Where does he bless us? In the heavenly realms. Where does he bless us? 
in the heavenly realms, or you could just say in heaven, with every spiritual gift in Christ, every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many? Everyone. Everyone. How many blessings are there? There are just lots and lots of blessings. Where are they? They are in heaven. That's why we pray, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm really starting to get something out of this right now. It's starting to, it's starting to unfold. It's starting to unpack. It's like an onion. It's like an onion. <laughs> let, let, me, let me transition. Let me try to transition a thought so I can wind up with this last point. I, I'm, I'm, as I've gotten older, I've become more a bottom line person. I used to do a lot of counseling in the early stages of the church. Now I'm really not that good at it. So don't come see me because I'm not that good at it. And here's the reason why. Because, and I, don't take that wrong. I'll help anybody. But here's my, here's my problem now. And my wife hopefully won't amen this, but it's true. Is that I, even though intellectually I know as a counselor, you're not supposed to try to solve people's problem. You need to listen. You know what I mean? I'm worse than ever. Because I can see what's wrong, and I'm a bottom-line person. And so I, I really struggle sometimes counseling women because they're not bottom-line. And so I want to get right. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Can I have a little help from the guys out there? You know what kind of bottom-line, right? Okay? This is like a 50-50 thing in this room, okay? All right. So <laughs> I just try to get to the point, and can we move on? And if, and if, and if we can't go there, I'm like, you need to go. And I can list people that are so good at this and much more nurturing than I am. And... Uh, the point is, I do this in my prayers, too. I'm like, I'm like, as a mature Christian now, I'm like this bottom line prayer person, too. I hope you, I hope you, you're speeding, you see where I'm going with this. What I'm realizing now is my prayers are releasing power in a situation, and, and, and sometimes you can't just go bottom line with God on that. So now I'm learning to pray longer. I was studying, uh, uh, I was on uh, YouTube this last week. One of my favorite animals in all of the animal kingdom is the cheetah, okay? Because it's fast. And it's fast and furious, right? And so the cheetah is the fastest animal on the planet. Supposedly can go close to 70 miles per hour, up to 500 meters, which is really not a long time when you're trying to hunt something, but that's why you got to be really fast and get it quick. And, and, and the reason they're, they're, they're like that is they have this disproportionate heart. They can just pull in tremendous amounts of oxygen and process it, and then it, just, it can just turn. It's, I don't know if it's the kinesiology of the animal or whatever, how that, all that energy is released in all the muscles. I don't know. Incredible, incredible animal. The flexibility, all these things about the way they're made. It's incredible. They're very sh they can run hard and fast, but they cannot run long and far. And that's how most Christians are. We're just kind of mature Christians. We're kind of hard and fast people, but not far. And so when we don't get an answer, I, I want, I need to think next time I got to run a little harder, maybe not harder, but a little longer and further as opposed to harder and faster. Are you getting this? Maybe we need to pray a little bit longer about something. Sometimes we need to go farther to get further in the miraculous of God. There's an old phrase. You can write this down. Push. Pray until something happens. The Luke 18, 1, pray and never give up. Push, pray until something happens. Think about this in the Bible, and I was looking at multiple examples, but I'll just highlight a couple. Elijah, when God told him it's, it's gonna, he's going to send rain, Elijah prayed seven times. Seven times. Right? One time Elijah was praying, it's all kinds of Elijah stories I can tell you. He was praying for a boy to be healed, and he laid on top of him, and it didn't happen right away. So I prayed hard and fast. I mean, he was committed he, he got literally a kid's dead. Think about the commitment level. None of y'all would probably do this, but a kid's dead. Hey, will you pray for my son? He's, he's dead. And he lays on top of him, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, body to body, eye to eye, nose to nose. And you guys willing to do that? Takers, takers. No. He did that, and, and the kid didn't come back. He did get a little warm, though, the Bible says, which I think is interesting. Moses, I mean, Elijah backs up. Pray some more, pray some more, goes back, does it again, kid comes back to life. So it's seven times. You know, Daniel prayed three times a day under trial and duress, three times a day, faced the eastern sky, began to pray. David, in one scripture, says he prayed seven times a day. In the, in the book of James, the Bible talks about, the, you know, that through, you know, the powerful prayers are, are powerful and effective and avail much, but it talks about, talks about Elijah prayed earnestly. My father likes that word because his name's Ernest, but that earnest is, is really, in essence, saying uh, he was a pusher. He kept praying until something happened. Does that make sense to anybody out there? 
And so it begs the question, was Elijah trying to talk God into doing something that God said he was already going to do? No. What was he going to do then? He was releasing enough power on earth to get heaven here. That's what Daniel was trying to do. In Daniel chapter 10, I don't know if this is in your notes, but verses 2 through 14, I'll paraphrase them for you. Daniel was praying and, and fasting. The Bible says in the first part of the, the chapter, it says he was mourning for three weeks. Why was he mourning? Because he hadn't eaten. That's why he was mourning. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. But anyway, he had no meats, no sweets, no foods, nothing like that. And he'd been praying and praying and praying. And, and it took a long time for his, his, the miraculous inner manifestation of, what, of that which he was praying. In fact, the angel said this in the text. It said, it said Daniel prayed. And it says, since the first, the angel said this, since the first day you prayed, I left heaven with your answer. So I want you to know something. When you pray, and it's in accordance with God's will, since the first time you pray, if it's in accordance with his will, he hears it and answers it. All right? Now look. He says, since the first day you prayed, I left heaven with your answer, but I was stopped. I was stopped. Now I won't talk about heavenly realms, but there's, there's like three levels of heaven and there's, there's different places where the battle is fought, a spiritual battle. You may not realize this, but just like you don't realize there are radio waves going through the air and whatever, there's a whole other realm in the spirit that prayer helps us connect to and become more acute in our hearing and sensitivity to it. And so when you pray, you need to understand that there's a battle sometimes for the, what is going on, what happened in heaven to be brought to earth. And so when you pray, you're, you're making sure that those, those, those messengers, those emissaries, the, 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 that the miraculous can descend as, just like your prayers ascended. Mm, 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 mm. Help me, Jesus, with this one. So we know this is true because he had been praying 21 days and he was withstood 21 days. So the point is, when Daniel prayed, the angel left right away. But you and I have to understand that there's a battle, again, going on in the heavenlies. Ephesians 6.12 talks about this. Tons of scriptures. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about this. The Bible says there's wickedness, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in this crazy nuts world. That's my paraphrase. It's real. And you don't have to believe that. But maybe we're not seeing the miraculous intervention of God because we don't believe that. Maybe we're not seeing the miraculous intervention of God because we don't realize we have to push sometimes in our prayers to get something that is in heaven on earth the same way. And the point I'm willing to help you see is that the first time you pray, your answer is, is, is answered. But there's a war going on. If Daniel had stopped praying on the first day, it wouldn't have happened. Here's the last point. Number three, God adds his fire to our prayers. This is the point I love. This will help somebody out. This could change your life. God adds his fire to our prayers. I'm going to give you symbolically, maybe literally, what happens when you pray. So I'm going to just leave that open to your uh, own study and interpretation. I personally believe this literally is what happens, okay? Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Are you guys getting something out of this? Talk back to me once in a while. I'll say, this is good stuff, Pastor. Okay, it's going to help you out in your prayers. Do you want to have prayers that get answered? You want them to be powerful? Okay, this is going to help you out. So God adds his fire to our prayers. Revelation 5 says this, And when he had taken it, the scroll is what it's talking about, the four living creatures, 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb. Hang on, I know this is Revelation. You're like, woo reading Revelation. Each on had a harp that they were holding. Listen, underline or circle these words. Golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So there's these bowls of incense. They're the prayers of the saints. So according to this verse, Revelation 5, 8, where are our prayers stored up according to this verse? Where are they stored? In bowls. In bowls. I want you to kind of have a heavenly description of what happens with your prayers. Now, in, you can move ahead in Revelation chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 and following to you. It says this. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Did you hear that, guys? When he opened the seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. This is a proof text that women will not get to heaven. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just want to see if anybody is listening. I'm just, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There was actually a time, one time when I said, said this in kind of in a conversation, and an old lady said to me, and preachers won't be there either. Said, Whoa. Okay. Hey, hang on there. Thank you, sister. God bless you. Come again. All right, and so uh, when they opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. I just want to see if you guys were all tracking because I'm reading Revelation. And I saw seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer, underline a circle this, with the prayers of all the saints. How many of the saints? All the saints. How many of the saints? All of them. Are you a saint? 
Yes. So contrary to what you might have learned in another religious background or whatever, according to Scripture, we're saints. Christ followers are saints, not just special people, okay? On the golden altar before the throne. Then it says the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God. So what happens with your prayers? They go up before God. All right? From the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it onto the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and earthquakes. Just so you know, trust me on this, these are all symbols of the miraculous intervention of God. Symbols. So when you see those kind of, those are signs of miraculous intervention of God. Okay? So you see what's happening here. Here's what's going on. When we pray, our prayers go to God, and they, they sit in bowls. They sit in bowls. All the prayers of the saints sit in these bowls before God. If they're in accordance with his will, they all go up. They're like, like incense. They float up. like They, 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 they gravitate towards, towards heaven. And, and, and then God, at some point, which is the one I want to talk about, adds his fire to them. And when he adds his fire to them, that's when the miracles come. Okay? You guys getting the connections here. Prayers go up like incense before God. They're all collected in bowls. God adds his fire. That's how the miraculous take place. So I just want you to see that little pattern there. Now, this fire that we're talking about here, just so you can make a connection, is the same fire that Elijah prayed come down and consume the altar. When the false prophets began to pray, and, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, and they pursued and pursued and pursued their false god, and he didn't come. You know why? Because the Bible says he was pursuing, which in the King James means he was going to the bathroom. Where is your God? And Elijah got up and mocked them all and said, where's your God? And once he was done, he said, you know, if, if you're the real God, then I'm asking you to come down here. And he did with fire. That same fire that happened there is the same fire that's spoken of here in Revelation. The same fire that happened with Elijah is the same fire that led the Israelites at night from location to location and guided them and protected them and, and kept them from harm. It's the same fire that Moses spoke to in the burning bush. It's the same fire that in the New Testament came down upon all the believers there in the book of Acts at Pentecost. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I say fire? In other words, Great, miraculous stuff happens when God adds his fire to anything. The question is, what is going to get the fire of God to come down in your life and intervene? Like Tim Hawkins was saying, intervene. That's what we want is the intervention of God. And what precedes that is if we pray. And I'm not just talking about short little cheetah prayers. I'm talking about pray until something happens. When does the miracle come? When God adds his fire to our prayers. How do we get those bowls to, uh, to, 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 to spill over, as it were? It's like, it's like it's a fulcrum. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's as if there's a bowl, and I would just imagine almost like water or kerosene being poured in, and it's just filling, 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 and at a certain point, it tips. And as soon as that fulcrum begins to tip with that kerosene, out, there's an angel over there going, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> And it just blows fire on that thing. And then, bam, whatever, whatever that need, request, whatever that, whatever that problem is, boom. Miracle, 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 miracle. But most people are up there. They, sh they throw up these short little prayers, these little, these little hard and fast prayers, or these little on my way to Starbucks prayers. <laughs> oh, God, please save her. She's dying of cancer. I'll have a, a caramel macchiato. And uh, uh, give you, yeah, tall, tall. That would be great. And I think God's up there and he's going, please don't give me a prayer like that. Please, like, God, please have them push a little bit harder because I can't wait to release my fire on this situation. But we won't push. We won't, as it is in heaven, we don't pull it down to earth. There's opposition between heaven and earth. And we, according to the power that work within us, are responsible to see that released on the earth. I believe that the angel is standing there ready for us. I think sometimes we think that our casual, sporadic prayer is enough to receive a miracle. And God add his fire to it. If he, otherwise, we'd be the irresponsible Bruce Almighty. Do you understand why that's, that's irresponsible for him to release his fire to people who don't understand the stewardship sometimes, that the responsibility that we, and the, the according, the measure that we have to have in us for that to be released. Does that make sense? I'm going to tell you a story as I conclude because I'm way over. There was a man that you may never have heard of. Some people will. But his name was George Mueller. He was famous uh, for starting orphanages all over the world. And in the, he lived in the early 1800s. He was a very immoral man, extremely immoral man. 
And he got saved at about 30 years old. And he got saved basically in a small group, seven or eight people in a Bible study. And they equipped him for ministry. He ended up getting a great job as a minister. In fact, his father was thrilled because at the time, in the, in the state in which he uh, was raised, um, the government would pay for ministers to be salaried. <laughs> a lot has happened since then. And so it was a great job to actually have. But eventually he, he uh, went from being a minister and he wanted to be a missionary. So he wanted to go onto the mission field and, and serve in that capacity. And he had to go to kind of school for that, to be able to do that. And so um, his father wouldn't pay for that because he was going to have to give up his job as a minister to become a missionary, which is kind of crazy. And there was, no, there, was, there, was, there was compensation for this, but not for this. His father said, no way, I'm not going to help you with that. So he's on his own. So he prayed. He, you know how long he prayed? He prayed for one year. Eventually, the bowl was full, and God said, okay, I want you to go. So he, so he applied for the missionary school. As he's standing in line with his application, with no resources to pay for the schooling, somebody walked up to him and handed him a bag. It was filled with money. It was exactly the amount of money that he needed to pay for his schooling. He went through all that schooling, paid for, did very, very well. Uh, as he's getting ready to be sent out as a missionary, they basically said, too bad, too sad. You can't go on the mission field because of your past. And you know what he did? He prayed. He prayed. He prayed for another year, and then one day he, was, he heard about a, a church where a pastor had just left. He showed up, and he interviewed for the job, and they, and they hired him on the spot because they needed a pastor desperately. And he, and, and he got a full-time position, and his needs were met, and, and it, was, it was just a great opportunity. He began to preach and teach, and he found out that the, uh, the, the, the people, the, the leadership, was renting the pews to the rich. And he was really upset about that, and that's how all the bills were being paid, because they rent the pews to the rich, and they were passing a plate every single, you know, Sunday. And, and he said, we're not going to do that anymore. In fact, we're not going to pass a plate anymore. We're just going to put a box at the back. I actually thought I was the one that came up with that, but he came up with that. And that's uh, funny. Anyway, uh, he, he began to preach what the Bible teaches about giving, how much, and, and that really that everybody could be blessed, and that everybody should be a giver, and we shouldn't be targeted, no favoritism. And he taught what the Bible says, and God began to bless the church financially, and got to a point where, where he had this, this vision for starting an orphanage, and all he had was 50 cents to give. It's not a lot of money, but it, but it wasn't a little either at the time, and he had 50 cents to start an orphanage. With 50 cents, he made an offering. And uh, he started with just that much money. And then over the next 60 years, just to skip ahead, uh, God brought into the mission count of this little church, this little church that he started. Seven and a half million dollars came in to build four, four orphanages. And he had more orphanages than anyone who had ever lived up until that time. And he ministered to thousands and thousands of kids and people came from all over the world to learn how he did it. Also, when he got saved at 30, his best friend rejected Christ and when he, when he tried telling him about Christ. And shortly after that, George Mueller began praying for five of his closest friends. And after many months, one of them came to the Lord. Ten years later, two others were converted. It took 25 years of prayer before the fourth man was saved. Mueller persevered in prayer until his death for his fifth and closest friend. And throughout those 52 years, he never gave up praying until his death. And he was hoping that he would accept Christ and, and, and that his faith would be rewarded. For at Mueller's funeral, it was, though. The last one, where Mueller died at 93 years old, eight months, it was recorded that his best friend showed up at the funeral. And it was recorded that he prayed for his friend again, 52 years. His friend came to the funeral and went down to the casket where George had died. And he got on his knees and before everybody confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior right in front of everyone. I say this to say, in other words, the bowl tipped over and God added his fire to it. Listen, prayer is not trying to get God to move. Prayer is releasing the power already in you so God can move. Would you stand to your feet so I can pray for you? You guys get something out of this this morning? I hope so. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Just honor the person to your right or to your left so we can focus. I know there are people in this room. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Just honor your friends. I know there are people in this room who have resigned themselves and, you know, God, God hasn't answered that prayer. I want to reignite your faith to pray and believe God to do a miracle in your life. There are people all over this room that need miracles in their life. And you might have given up. And I hope that you have experienced revelation knowledge where you realize it's according to the power that's at work within you. God wants to do 
miracles. He wants to add his fire to your situation. Luke 18 1 says to pray and never give up. I want to encourage you to never give up. Never, 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 never stop praying. Never stop praying for your friends who do not know the Lord. We were talking to a little girl about one of her closest friends that she'd come to Christ. And she, she was in tears thinking about it. That never give up being tender hearted towards your friends who do not know Christ. Never give up praying for the miraculous intervention in, in someone's life who's struggling with something, something serious, something severe. Never give up. Maybe it'll take a few months. Maybe it'll take a few years. Maybe it'll take longer. Maybe it's, there's a certain day when the bowl tips over, but God wants to add his fire to your situation. Maybe you're here today and you've never had maybe God ignite the fire of God in you, in your heart. And you want to open up yourself to him. He's, he's a God who wants to come into relationship with you. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. Prayer is about a conversation between you and God. He wants to have dialogue with you and, 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 and encounter you and, and relate to you and, and be real to you. But in order for that to happen, you have to take a step of faith. You have to move in his direction. And if you'll move in his direction by just saying that I need you, God, and I can't do it without you. And that's really part of what the salvation experience is all about, is recognizing that I need God and I can't do it by myself. That's done by just accepting what Jesus did for you. Jesus is the one who opens that door to your life and changes things forever. If you've never done that, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your, as your Lord, your Savior, you've never acknowledged him publicly. If you confess him before man, he'll confess you before his Father is in heaven. So I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you down front or anything, but I, but I am calling you out in your seat. I'm just saying that if that's you and you know, and you've never done that, not, not you've raised your hand last week. I mean, you've never raised your hand before to acknowledge that I need Jesus. I'm not saying if you sinned yesterday, you didn't lose your salvation today. No, I'm talking about you don't know the Savior personally. You don't have that relationship with him. You've never done that. If that's you, would you raise your hand and just say, that's me. Pray for me before I leave today. I want to know Christ. God bless you at the back. God bless you. Is there anybody else? That's me. Good and high. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. It's awesome. Amen. See you, young man. Thank you. Church, would you just pray this with me? And, and those that raise your hand, pray this. I'm going to pray for both of you. One, one prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith, my trust, my hope in Jesus Christ. You've deposited because of my faith in the finished work of Christ, power in me. And I pray that the power of God be released in me as I come into relationship with you at a greater level through prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. I hope you're changed forever because of this. Amen.